Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John here with White Fang. Hello. White Fang stands for... FNG. FNG, Father Nathan Goebel. White. Luckily, I'm not Father Andrew Goebel. (laughs) That is true. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So, um... Good to be with you. This is going to be coming out after Thanksgiving, so we hope you had a good uh, Turkey Day or uh, Turducken, Turducken Day here at the Nepple House, like we we will be slash were, depending on when you're listening to this. John Madden style. Yep, my father loves to make the Turducken. So the uh, where does uh, he get that? I don't know. He's a, he's a wizard. He makes his own. He makes his own. He stuffs the chicken into the duck and the duck into the turkey. That's right. I, well, I wish that the people who listen to this podcast. Could have heard your homily today. Yeah. Surviving the holidays yep. with the extended family. It can be a pain. It can be a pain. Ours is always pretty interesting. Thanksgiving, that's when Donna comes. Uh, Donna is my cousin, my mom's cousin Mike's friend. And they're not, like, romantic at all. They're in the same writer's group. Just and friends. Donna has, like, the most sinister cackle. Um, <laughs> and she knows how to push people's buttons. And uh, usually it ends up with um, Donna and Uncle Mike and whoever's the whoever draws the short straw playing Scrabble with them and uh, listening to Donald's... <laughs> she sounds like the w- witch from uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> she kind of looks like her. Oh man, Donna's a sweet lady. I will miss the days when when we no longer have uh, Thanksgivings together. So, I also wish that um, listeners could have been with us last Thursday night. What did we do? Sushi Bay. Oh yeah. So we went out to a um, once a month. We all the our priest buddies we get together, and if it's a birthday celebration for one of the guys, we uh, let him choose. Well, there's a guy named Father Matt Book. And fortunately, none of our priest friends listen to this podcast, so we can talk smack about him. Yep. But uh, Father Matt Book always chooses the most bizarre and eccentric restaurants that he can find, which drives Larkin crazy. Yeah. And uh, so he chose this place called the Sushi Bay. 17. Sushi Bay 17? Sushi Bay 17. Which is unique as a sushi bar because it's also a... Karaoke bar. Karaoke bar. So we walk in and they usher us into the back room. No windows, just strobe lights. Strobe lights flashing. And uh, a, a very strange karaoke night ensued. It was about two minutes before I got a video of Father, uh, Father White Fang here uh, singing Changes by Tupac. Yep. That was a highlight. Earth, Wind, and Fire came out. That one, I, I didn't even know the words to that song. <laughs> Apparently, uh, body da is the is the actual words. Body da. Dancing in September. Dancing in September. And uh, the song I had never heard was uh, Smoking in the Boys Room by Motley Crue. Motley Crue. <laughs> that, was a, that was a crowd favorite. So yep. seven guys in Roman collars singing karaoke. It was not pretty. Um, and for me personally, I think I, I take the... Take the uh, award for the worst karaoke performance, tr- attempting to sing Cypress Hill, Insane in the Membrane. Yeah. It was really bad. And that's a really bad song. And I didn't really realize that until yeah. I was about halfway through it. And- but we were all looking for uh, Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. Unbreak My Heart. Which, according to Father Matt Book, is the second most uh, downloaded song in iTunes by a woman artist. There you go. Is that right? I don't know. I find that hard to believe, but... We're looking for that song, and then, of course, our favorite, 
regulators. Regulators. Right? Nate Dogg and Warren G. Yep. So we're talking about music now that's like 20 years old. That's kind of insane. Yep. We were both like little thuglets at, in fourth grade. You know, so. my parents would, would have died if they knew I was listening to Regulators by Nate Dogg and Warren G. But, you know, you go to Kevin Sheehan's house after school and anything goes. Well, Dave Goble heard me listening to that, and I had to return the single because I didn't have enough money to buy the album, but I did have enough to buy the tr- the tape single of Regulators, and I had to re- return it to Columbia House. And when the guy asked me, because he thought I just like recorded it from one blank tape to another, he said, why are you returning this? And I, I had to actually write down on the paper because my dad says that the lyrics are from the devil. From the devil. That's right. So... Good old Dave Goble. He kept your purity intact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, Mike Goble, God bless you, Mike. Mike has gotten multiple shout outs, but my brother ordered a bunch of, uh, you remember that? Like where it was like, you could order um, 10 CDs for the price of one. I don't know how they made money on those those Columbia House. Yeah. Things. So then uh, he like put in his order, like, because you would, you would get it in the mail. And so he sent it in. And we finally got the box. And, like, back in the day, you never got anything in the mail, like no. any boxes. Um, now it's, like, commonplace. But, you know, uh, didn't you say that Maggie Cure, like, orders her paper towels through Amazon or yeah, something? She ordered me hangers on Amazon one time. So, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, so then we get this box. I'm really excited to open it because, you know, we don't have very much music other than what we, like, pull from the library or something. Mount Zion Public Library had, like, Reba McIntyre's greatest hits and, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like, you know, McGee and me. Um, but, uh, he, uh, he opens it up and it's like Sarah McLaughlin, Natalie Merchant, Alanis Morissette, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. And I'm like thumbing through all these things. I'm like, what in the heck? But then finally he redeemed himself because he got Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh yeah. Crossroads. Oh yeah. So I was like, oh yeah. We'll see you at the crossroads, Mike. Yeah. You won't be lonely. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month. Get up, get up, get up. Jackson, Jackson, get up. We did live through a prime time in the 90s, and anybody between the age of 30 and 40 is probably enjoying hearing this. Everyone else is like, what the hell are they talking about right now? Who are these people? Tony Braxton. Well, if you don't know Tony Braxton, you don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what it means to unbreak your heart, though. She's in pain. Can't you just hear it from her sultry sounds? You can. You can. Well, let's uh, let's make a really awkward transition <laughs> into our topic. Um, There's only six and a half minutes of nonsense, but uh, six yeah. and a half minutes of banter. Um, Father or uh, John Leindecker always says, "What is it? It's like thirty <laughs> minutes of banter and like one minute of content." Exactly, basically. So we'll give well, you six minutes of content tonight. Yeah, it'll be an hour podcast, but unfortunately, of a topic we've already done. Well, yeah, kind of. Do you have a new title at least to fool people into thinking? No, I was just going to do Roman Canon Part Due. Part uh, Due? I don't know. Like Hot Shots Part Due? Communicantes One or something. So Um, uh, back in 2011, we did a topic, but I remember doing it and doing a rather lousy job. So we've got our... Doing it right. We've got our liturgy Pharisee here on on the spot to make sure that... The whitewashed tomb is 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 in the house. Liturgical stuff you should know. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So this the backstory to this is um for the past 2 days I was at the parochial vicar's workshop and uh you know, that was fine. Pretty much got told I'm I'm not doing some things very efficiently. Apparently people expect emails to be returned within 24 hours. These people. 
I, I I'm an, I'm like okay, it's not a text message. I mean, a text message seems a little more. But so wait, you respond to text messages? No, I don't. Yeah, no. I was going to say. I do. I respond via the the mode of communication that's best for me, either a voicemail or silence. Right. Um. So uh. So then we go down to this thing, and then on my way back, I load up my email or something, and I get uh another reminder email. Thankfully, from Kristen Conrad, who's our um. I don't know, like, she's the assistant uh, uh, assistant DRE or something. Um, but she had asked me to come and speak to sixth graders, okay? Now, I've gone to the nights with your brother, Steve, right. uh, where he does the high school youth group. And it's like, all right, I kind of have an idea of how to, you know, like, talk to those guys. And then eventually, like, you know, he has what's called an uh, edge night, which I think is for seventh and eighth graders. Um, so then the high schoolers are there, but then the seventh and eighth graders, okay, fine. Seventh and eighth grade, not exactly like totally exciting, but you know, whatever. But this is like sixth graders and I had to give a talk to them and I had, I had two (laughs) options. I could prepare for this talk or I could get a nap in. And I was like, I got to get a nap in. And so I get, I get the nap in and then I'm done. And I was like, oh crap, what am I going to talk about? And I said, well, I, I should probably just talk to them about, uh, the liturgy. Cause that's what I like. That's what I know. And the, the way in which I framed it to them was, you know, you do this thing every single week, go to mass. And what is it? Who knows? Like, it's just sit and wait until the time when they call you up and somehow, through the the priest like performing some like little you know spell over these elements, eventually Jesus pops out. We get Jesus, and then we go home, and everybody's happy. And so I was encouraging them to kind of pray along with the mass and actually listen to what the priest is saying. Now I was going to talk to them about the Roman Canon, which means it's pretty much only going to be me whenever I'm uh, saying mass, and right. and even sometimes I don't even I don't I, very very infrequently do I actually say the Roman Canon, which is Eucharistic Prayer One. Now, that's all to say, how do you talk to sixth graders about the Mass and make it relevant to their life? That is the question. Okay, this is how I went, and let me know what you think. So we're talking about... Um, oh, crap. What? i got to pull it up. It's on my phone, the Eucharistic prayer. Um, do you have any... While I'm doing that, do you have any suggestions on how to talk to sixth graders, fifth and sixth graders? Yeah, I don't. I uh, it sounds. I'm already kind of yawning right now, but uh, not because Shut of you. Up. It's because of uh, we had chaos pizza for lunch, and yeah. I ordered a beer and was like, "This is um, this is rather strong." Yeah, it was. Looked at the thing, sixteen point four percent alcohol content. And I was yeah. Like, oh wow. So we're drinking water right now to uh, so yeah. we don't fall asleep. It was. This uh, I tasted it. It tasted like they poured all the leftover beer from everyone's glasses into a big keg. <laughs> With Everclear in it, and they're like, "Here you go. This will be awesome." It was by Avery Brewery. Anybody who drinks Avery beer, they make some pretty wild stuff. And this was called Rumpkin. Rumpkin, pumpkin ale in a distilled in a rum barrel or something like that. Isn't that uh, Brian Larkin's license plate <laughs> for his new Subaru? Yeah, Rumpkin. Right. Rumpkin Larkin. Oh, okay, so the only part about the now that I got pulled up, the only part about the prayer that I want to focus is that enough on filler. Yeah, that was okay, filler. Good, good. Okay, so this is this is what's called communicantes, or um, the one that begins in communion with. Can we just explain what the Roman canon is real quick? They can listen to the podcast on Roman They canon. don't want to listen to the podcast. Just tell them what it is. Uh, it's the most ancient 
prayer, Eucharistic prayer that we have, and it was the only Eucharistic prayer in the Roman Church for what um, nine centuries, ten centuries? I don't know. Right, Trent. Right, was it Trent and then on? Um, so, and it's actually a, a combination of smaller prayers that were put together, which is why in that prayer it's common that you'll hear through Christ our Lord, Amen, and then they begin a new prayer and end it through Christ our Lord, Amen. So instead of having like the the flow of the other prayers, it's a series of prayers that each themselves have a history and um, are rooted in antiquity. It's identifiable because you hear these long list of saint names. Right. Right. And uh, that's... If your priest is under forty, you're probably going to possibly hear it. Yeah, it sounds. Otherwise, I, what I said is, it sounds like the auctioneer. Yeah, because like we remember Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, <laughs> Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John, and Paul, Cosmas, and Damian. You know, and That's then right. you know, and they're just moving on. Right. So the first part of the prayer is this, um, and this is within the Eucharistic prayer. So we're just focusing on these, like you know, what seven lines. So you're not going to tell us how you told this to sixth graders? No, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm just so excited. It's the first line. I'm so scared. In communion with those whose memory we venerate. In communion with those whose memory we venerate. And this was the line that I was like, oh, sweet. This is how I'm going to talk to sixth graders because um, Father John and I had been out uh, in Craig uh, this past weekend, and we were talking about the memory pool from Harry Potter. Harry Potter. So uh, we were what saying— What is that thing called? We don't even remember. Sunit Seleski would know if she was yeah. Saying. Yeah. Solange Celeski. Anyways, it's like that big, like, bird bath looking thing. And they drop the little. Where you, like, pull a memory out, like a big booger, um, <laughs> out of your, out of your ear, and then, like, drop it into the, drop it into the pool. So you're putting your face into this big booger. And we were talking about what were the memories we'd want to go back to. Right. Or the places. And what was the one that you said? Well, the one I really want to go back to. So two of our priest friends, Father Brian. Larkin, who you hear about a lot, and Father Brady Wagner, who you don't hear about as much. Um, he, uh, when they were in college, Brian approached Brady to be in his Bible study, and Brady totally shut him down. Yep. And just how awkward and uncomfortable that would have been. Yep. And then to think 15 years later, they're both priests and friends. Yep. That's, I wouldn't want to see that for sure. Yeah. I probably wanted, wanted to see also, if I could go back, pull a booger out of your head. Jimmy Pettyjohn waiting for you at the bus stop. <laughs> Are you telling that story real quick? That was the one where, okay, kids, don't try this at home. Uh, but uh, Jimmy Pettyjohn was like the bully uh, of our bus, always having a bad life. Um, I've, I've been over to his house before, and I can see why. He was not necessarily a happy kid. And uh, so Jimmy was like pestering me for some reason. And uh, so I just had enough. So then Jimmy got off at one of the first stops on the bus. And so when he got off the bus, I turned to the side of the bus that I knew he'd be on and I flipped him the double bird. Okay. Again, do not try this at home. This didn't work out well. So I flicked him off. I felt really cool. Whatever. Then all of a sudden, it's time for me to get off the bus. Now, what you probably know about bus routes is they're long, circuitous routes that are usually only separated by about a block. So when I thought I was being so smart and flicking off Jimmy Pettyjohn, um, he just had to walk one block, whereas I had to ride the bus for the next 10, 15 minutes to finally get to my stop. So then... um, So then I'm I'm in... Actually, I'm in sixth grade, so this is... This is uh, appropriate. So I'm in sixth grade. Um, 
I'm pulling all of my books because that's what you did back in the day. You took all of your books to school for some ungodly reason. <laughs> and for some unknown reason, I decided to uh, bring home my baritone saxophone that day, which, if you don't know, a baritone saxophone weighs around 3,000 pounds <laughs> when you're in sixth grade. So I'm lugging all of my stuff off the bus. I get I get off the bus, like step off and look up, and Jimmy Pettyjohn is waiting for me at the fire hydrant. And I'm like... Son of a biscuit. And I remember Jimmy Pettyjohn was like a red belt or blue belt or something. So I just take off my backpack, drop my baritone saxophone, and I actually said, let's get this over with. And then he punched me in the stomach, and I fell over, and he walked away. That was it. Which, it was funny because I was telling that story the other day, and my sister, Ashley, said, oh yeah, I remember that. I was like, what? I was all by myself. And she's like, no, we rode the bus together, remember? And she's like... I had to run home and tell mom because you were like crying next to the fire hydrant. I'm like, shut up. We don't remember that part of the story. I don't remember that part. That's right. That's right. Anyways. Back to the Eucharistic prayer. Back to the Eucharistic prayer. So then it was all because we had had that conversation about the memory pool because the first line is in communion with those whose memory we venerate. So are we just remembering something from the past and it's just like, oh, that was kind of cool. You know, those those people are awesome. Um, Not really. We're actually diving into... Um, the the action of their memory that has its effect even today. Um, so that's the whole reason why we're doing the Mass, because the Mass is a memorial. It's a memory of what? Of the saving work and presence and person of Jesus Christ. So it's who he was, what he did, and why, those, why that, that effect is still venerated today, and so within that action, we remember the people that surrounded Jesus. So within this prayer, this is, who we're, this is who we're commemorating. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse. So then the first two, this is what I, that I was telling the kids, and this, I actually, when I did this, you know, talked to them, I was like, wow, this is actually really good. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, because I would have never thought of this otherwise. Um, the first two people that we're commemorating are his family. We're commemorating Jesus's family. So everybody wants to be a saint. Everybody wants to be like super awesome. Everybody wants to make it to heaven. The first place that you start is your family. And granted, he had the holy family. One of them was already redeemed by the saving work of his cross, even before Jesus ever mounted the cross. Wrap your head around that. And then the other guy, St. Joseph, who probably was the greatest man uh, other than Jesus that ever lived, if not the greatest man uh, next to John the Baptist, because God the Father entrusted the formation of Jesus' humanity to this man. Right. Okay. So if you've ever seen those icons where Joseph's just like sitting in the corner all pissed off because um, the baby's not his and, you know, it's like this little goat man. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's total crap. Okay. So that's my St. Joseph pitch. Um, so the first place you start being a saint is you're in your family. And mm. granted, None of us have holy families, but we certainly have families that are trying um, to a greater or lesser extent. And sometimes it doesn't happen for some time. I mean, for you, you kind of, not that your parents were bad people, they were like incredibly virtuous people and even faithful people trying to get you to go to Mass. But then all of a sudden, when you and Steve had your conversions, didn't your family like start to like wake up and be like, we want this too? Yeah, kind of the whole family kind of came with it. It's exactly right. The... um it's interesting to consider the um, what the role that Mary had 
and we're talking 30 years, you know, it's not just like, Hey, I need a cup. I need to kind of eat and kind of get big and then I'm going to go do my thing. Yep. But it's like the majority of his life, 30 of 33 years, just mm-hmm. with those two people. And we don't know how long Joseph was with them. Sure. But, but yeah, it's crazy. But even, even after, even after St. Even after Jesus began his public ministry, Mary's right alongside him um, and transitions her role from, yes, she's the mother of the Redeemer, blessed is the breast that bore you and the the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nurse, rather blessed is the one who hears the word of God and does it. Well, Mary's right there. And it's like, that's not a slam. It's actually him saying she's the one. She's right. transitioned from the the blood family into the new family. I was reading Adrian von Speyer today on von that. Speyer. Von Speyer on that section hmm. and um, uh, the rejection is what she calls it. And she's talking about how Jesus in his public ministry is teaching Mary. He's not rejecting Mary, but he's teaching her how to renounce. It's a preparation for the cross. Mm-hmm. And so she has to learn to renounce her relationship with her son because he's moving towards being crucified mm-hmm. and the total kind of surrender and death that it's going to require for Mary to sit at the foot of the cross He's educating her in that even as he moves through his ministry. Is that you said you preached on the weeping of Jerusalem, weeping over Jerusalem? Was that connected with it? No, this is totally separate. Oh, I was just reading Hey, May the Lord. You know, talk, just because I can. Talk to Andrea about it tonight. There you go. Um, so then the first place, you know, to if you're if you're formulating a place to, you know, like uh, a way to become a saint, start in your family. And it doesn't mean like correcting all of your family's behaviors. Um, I've tried that. That doesn't work. Yeah, and I've tried that, and it certainly doesn't work. And frankly, it it turns them off. Yeah. Um, so then you have you have the Holy Family, and the Holy Family is present like in this memory. the The next group is um, uh, the twelve apostles. So you have Peter and Paul, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bar- Bartholomew, Bartholomew, Matthew, Matthew Simon, Simon, and Jude. Jude. Who's missing in that? Judas. Judas. But he had the capacity to be a saint. Right. He had the capacity to be a a great saint, um, and he they, re- he rejected it. Did they pair Peter and Paul at the beginning because this is the Roman canon? Yeah, because they're, they're the apostles of Rome, right? And they're it's also their proximity to Jesus. Yeah. Um, Peter, the apostle to the Jews, and Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. And the interesting thing was, I was reading something about that was saying that Peter is the new Moses who's called to 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 call the people into um into the new family and to constitute them as the new nation um but then Paul is Aaron who's the much more eloquent one because Peter struggles to be able to communicate hmm. um just in his own limitedness but then Paul's this eloquent um uh missionary who goes out and is able to convince the Gentiles, that this salvation is not just for Israel, but for the new Israel of which they're a part. I thought that was good. Very cool. Okay, so you have all those people, but then, you know, you lose out on Judas. Um, and that's just important to remember that sometimes the grace is there, um, that God still calls these people to repentance, and yet there is the capacity within us to say, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the last few. So then you have you have two at the beginning— Linus Cletus. Two at the beginning, 12. And then uh, you have 12 more. Oh. Linus, Cletus, Clement, Clement, Sixtus, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmos and Damien. And all your saints. saints. Good job. 
So um, the first five, and this is the part that I thought was rather interesting. The first five are the five successors of the Petrine office. Hmm. Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius. As the five popes after Peter. Five popes after Peter. Cool. Um, All of them martyred, um, all of them in different ways. And yet you see that God does not just entrust the church to Peter and say, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. For as long as you are alive, it's going to be awesome, but then we'll see what happens. You see that it continues in the lives of these other persons who receive um, who receive this office from from Peter and continue it, and we've seen the succession for what 163 or something. Mm-hmm. And even now, like it, it's remarkable because we have two living living popes, and yet one is not; he's no longer the pope. He's Pope Emeritus, but you know whatever. So you have five popes. So they're bishops. Which is interesting to consider. I mean, I don't know the time period um, that those five covered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, it's like if Peter is being martyred in early 60s, I don't exactly know. Yeah. Uh, something like that, 62 maybe. Um, so you got Linus starting after that and five guys. That at least gets us into the second century. And a lot of times yeah, we, we think are. of kind of like 30, Jesus dies and then Haroon. Harumph. Lori Brown. Keep going. No, let's listen. The loon clock. It's four o'clock here, Colorado Public Radio. The um, but it's it, it. I just think it's kind of. We think oftentimes like thirty three A.D. happened, and then everything just kind of fell apart, and then at some point we started the church instead yeah. of like this covers us into well into the second century. John, I was teaching Revelation last night. John is writing the it has his apocalypse somewhere between ninety six and ninety nine A.D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're talking into the into the 100s, into the mid 100s, just with those first six popes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Cornelius, the last one of that list, is like sometime around 250 or something. Yeah, it's so, amazing. Um, so then you have the first part is the apostles, and they're they're the 12 apostles, and you can't change that. But then you have those who assume the office of Peter from Peter. But then you have other bishops in other dioceses who were founded by the the rest of the apostles. You know, Thomas went to India. Bartholomew ended up in, like, I don't know, like Turkey or something like that. Um, James in Spain. No, like, Bartholomew went to, like, um, one of those Eastern uh, Asian countries, uh, but, like, Russia, kind of. Hmm. I don't know. I almost said Slovenia, but that's not it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Just throw it out there. So then you have, you have the five after that. And then um, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian. Cyprian is a friend of Cornelius. And the important thing about Cornelius and Cyprian is during the time of the persecution, they're the ones that are bishops of the places where people were persecuted. And some of them said, I'm really freaked out. They're talking about like, you know, like twisting my nipples and I'm not going to do this. So I'm out, you know, and they leave the church. And then all of a sudden, um, either the persecution starts dying out or the persecution is continuing and they say, we made a mistake. And there were some in the church at that time that said, you made your decision. You're out forever. You're out forever, right? right? And how many times does that continue even to this day? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you're a Catholic. Yeah, you're a Christian. Yeah, you're a good person. But if you make a decision, if you, you, know, you get pregnant, you get pregnant before you get married, you're out. See ya. You're out. And like, good luck. Yeah. And... Uh, and, like, there's all sorts of ways in which we can say, I can do a lot in the church, but then once I commit this sin, I'm going to feel um, abandoned, lost, and there's no possibility for 
um, reconciliation. That's what Judas felt. That's what Judas felt, and that's where the devil caught him, where he said, your sin is too grave. There's no way, there's no way that you can, you know, eventually, like, come out of this. So... Cyprian is in Carthage? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so an African diocese, part of the Roman colonies, so it's an extension of Rome. So you see how the, the faith does, it begins in Rome and is spread to these other places, and yet it's going out. Mm. Um, so you have uh, Cyprian and uh, Cornelius. Friendship. Again, the apostles had a friendship with Jesus. He's constituting a new family, and yet the discipleship continues in these other persons that never even knew Jesus. Um, and even St. Paul, like, I mean, he received revelation or whatever, but his is really this beginning of the personal relationship with Jesus after the resurrection, which has a very different yeah. different feel. Okay. Linus, Cletus, Clements, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cornelius Cyprian, Cyprian, Lawrence. Lawrence. Lawrence is a deacon. deacon. Deacon, right? So you have bishops, you have popes, apostles, popes, bishops, and now a deacon. Um, and Lawrence is just somebody that served the poor, and eventually he's martyred in Rome. And one of the one of the deacons that's that's remembered in the canon, and later on in the in the other part, which we won't get to this time. Sorry, because you're probably all wishing that you had a beer too that can make you groggy. Um, the um, uh, Stephen, one of the the proto martyr and one of the first deacons. Okay, so you have Lawrence. With in fond memory of Father Michael Lawrence Rapp. Amen. Our good friend. Yes, and one of the founders of the podcast. So That's we, right. Chin Chin. Chin Chin. Water. Mm. Um, and then the last five. Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas, and Damien. Were they priests? Were they bishops? Were they deacons? None. Laymen. They were laymen. Cool. Okay? And so... Um, Chrysogonus, I don't... I Actually, it didn't say like what his occupation was... John and Paul were both military men. Cosmos and Damien were doctors. Yes. Okay. So you're seeing within the church, like we think, oh, Vatican II came and it, it talks about like everyone's called to holiness and this is such a revelation. Well, okay. In the very ancient of prayers, we're talking about people who lived their life in families, in friendship with Jesus and within the church and who found holiness. There was no program. There was no 12-point plan. It was, I'm going to be a doctor and help the people around me. I'm going to be a soldier and eventually say, you know what, Um, I want to serve the empire, but I also want to uh, serve the the empire that is the church Um, and uh, and pour my energies into that. It's all all a, a really elongated way of saying, you have the capacity to become a saint. I have the capacity to become a saint. And sometimes I think I got to become somebody totally different. I, I, I've i already been like, you know, uh, crippled because of my family, because of my relationship with my friends back in the day, because of the vocation that I've chosen, a diocesan life in a suburban parish that's not really going to be conducive to uh, whatever. Sanctity is possible. Heroic sanctity is what we celebrate in the saints. The sanctity of everyday common life that we find is sometimes veiled from our eyes. Mm -hmm. And even in ourselves, we don't really want to see it because then we would get prideful and then, you know, it just all of a sudden, you know, dissolves. But you see it in the people who live very heroic lives, very ordinary lives in parish life, in uh, Episcopal life, in in lay life. And we're the ones that have, have like the daily uh, responsibility of ministering to people in our parish 
And some of these people already are living saintly lives. Um, again, I, I went and saw the movie St. Vincent. I think I said this before. Right. but I didn't really like the end conclusion of that, which was pretty much like you can be an alcoholic whoremonger um, just as long as you... Um, uh, just as long as you kind of treat people well. Right. It's like, well, okay, yeah. We do have our picture of Bill Murray here in the oh, podcast yeah. studio. Perfect. Thanks to Chris Manzanares. Yeah. Yep. That's glorious. So, um, again, I do get a little reticent and a little fearful when people talk about becoming saints. Because sometimes the way in which they talk about becoming saints is, I'm going to become a saint over your dead body. Right. Like, I'm going to trample over you, and I'm going to reach the object of my desire. We don't want that. Right. But these people lived ordinary lives. Hopefully we can do the same. I think this is important because um, I was talking about this recently with some people and I said, you know, why do people hate going to mass? Because it's like going to something. It's like the liturgy is a language that we don't understand, that we've lost. Yep. And um, the my beloved brother priests make fun of me um, because I do a lot of Spanish ministry and my Spanish is so bad. So... Goebel likes to imitate me as one of those dolls that you pull a string in the back of his head and he and he fires off something in Spanish. And then he pulls it again. And that's kind of what we're doing in mass. You just pre-says something, you just automatically fire off. And it's like, do you know what you're saying? Because if you knew who St. Chrysologus was and why his life was heroic, then when you hear his name and you're recalling his memory, yeah. it's going to mean something to you. Other than it's just like, okay, how the hell long? Why does he always choose the longest Eucharistic prayer? Uh, let's just get the, Bronco the Eucharist on. and then let's get out of here. Maybe we can sneak out of mass before Father Jesus. That, I mean, it's just like, this is crazy talk. Yeah, we got to learn the language of the liturgy by learning the history of the church uh, in order to really be fed by it and to learn how to pray from it. And that's And to pray with it, again, like if it's just you kneeling there for as long as you can until your knees give out so that I can say some like mystical prayer that somehow confects um, the the Eucharist upon us, well then, how am I supposed to enter into that? That's right. Again, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Like, yes, I, as the priest, I am offering the liturgy on your behalf, and I'm offering the sacrifice on your behalf, and yet you have, I mean... I sat there for years wondering, what in the hell am I supposed to be doing at this point in time? Exactly. Calling to mind the people, praying for other people, asking that the merits and prayers of the saints, that their good deeds would actually have an effect on our life and not just be like, oh, that's nice. Those seem like good people, Joseph, Linus, whoever they are. I don't even remember listening to them, so... Yeah, I, well, it was Eucharistic Prayer 1, so you probably heard it like four times exactly. by the time you were 20. Exactly. But it's coming back, baby. Coming back to okay, your life. Uh, okay, shout out I quick think before we go here. Yeah, I got I got mine too. I got a new system. Oh, yeah. Look at you. So organized. <laughs> so um, this weekend I'm celebrating a wedding of Matt Kiernan and Sarah Moran, a good Irish couple. And uh, Sarah's sister Maria said, Father, I want you to give a shout out to some of my peeps. I guess that means people. She says, does it require a loon clock or chartreuse to get a shout out? And I said, well, we'll let this one slip. Uh, So this is for Mark Marquez and Ben Domingue. All right. Thanks for listening, boys. We appreciate it. Who do you got? Oh, I got a list. All right. Just give us one because we're already at like 37 minutes. This is a a combo pack. Um, 
This is the uh, $5 box from Taco Bell. So uh, <laughs> Father Gail Hammerschmidt is a faithful lis- listener from uh, Salina, Kansas. Good to hear and, from you, Gail. And uh, a friend of ours. And apparently we make him relevant to the kids in his high school. So to Brittany Sheehan, Matt McKee, Jeff Herinick, and Andy Hamakey. Nice. Hamakey. This is in uh, Kansas? Salina, Kansas. Well, listen, kids. To, to all them. The uh, Gail Hammerschmidt is the coolest 57-year-old priest I've ever met. So <laughs> That's right. Just joking. So, Gail, we love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Email us, catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you again in Advent. Peace. <laughs>